microphone one. Ready to go. Hello, everybody. This is Alyssa, and we're back with another episode of Bomb Mom Podcast. And I have a super awesome guest with me today. This is Adriana, also known as Aston's Fine Ass Mama. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm super excited. I've been a follower for a while, so I could not wait to get on with you in some capacity. When I first started the podcast, I got this flood of people that I didn't know at all just following my podcast. But it was crazy because everybody that started following me was all after the same thing. They're on a journey of self-discovery of some sort. They're um, really learning to love themselves. And like you have that same type of content, which I love because that's where I'm at right now. And when you, I remember specifically what you said to me, cause it really like, it like warmed my heart. The comment that you left on my post. I don't know. I don't know if you remember what you said. I don't. So following you since I, it came up as a sponsor, as a sponsor story one day, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how am I just finding out, finding out about her? And then like, I just couldn't believe that. Like, I didn't know about your pro- your podcast already because like you did such a great job with how you, um, had like all of your like how like everything looked and like the stationery and the content that oh was, thank you not, how am I just finding out about this person so I just I, I don't know what comment I left but I so that- so okay I remember there was I had just come out with I think it was actually my second episode so my podcast was still brand new this is my second one but this one was still brand new mm-hmm. and um I did an episode about having biracial children and I just did like said my piece on how I feel as a white woman. And you left a comment under one of my posts and you just said, I'm so glad to know you glad I found your podcast. And like that warmed my heart because I'm like this complete stranger just told me that like something I said meant something to her. And that meant a lot to me. Yeah, It was super sweet. And I think it was when I was, I'm not sure what was going on in the world at the time, but my son is mixed. And so um, I always want to make sure that like I am learning and being super, I just want him to understand like how, like I want, I want him to understand the importance of being inclusive and also seeing himself as a mixed man in America and like what that means. Um, Because like he, obviously he's been raised by a black woman. Um, I'm mixed, but I don't really know too much about like my heritage for like the the part that I mixed with other than African American, mm-hmm. um, and I am I'm Ger- I'm African American and German, but I don't know anything about like my German history from my great grandmother or anything like that. Except for if I was to show you a picture of her, like you would, like, oh yeah, she's a hundred percent. Like she looks a hundred strong. Like, okay, she she I think she was like you could you in the in the sixties like her children looked black, and so when she would go to a store or something, they told her like the kids had to stay outside. Oh my goodness. So that's like how like how she she didn't look like she had any color at all. Wow. But anyway, I say all that to say, like, I think it's I always um appreciate when white women in particular like understand their privilege as a mom of mixed children and just like how important it is for you to um advocate for your children and not pretend that racist issues don't exist in our country. And so I'm assuming that that was like similar to what the post was about. So I definitely appreciate it. And I love how, I just love how you always just show up as yourself. 
um thank you online and on your podcast like you don't try to pretend to be anybody but Alyssa so so I really appreciate you saying that because that's uh, that's really why I started the podcast and what I want to portray is just who I am and and I got I feel like I have important things to say and I want to platform to be able to say them. So I created one for myself. Um, when I made that particular episode and I was thinking about everything beforehand, I was actually nervous because I didn't know how people were going to perceive me. Um, I just told everything the best way that I could from my perception and how I learned and why I feel like these things are important. Um, but I got a lot of mixed reviews. Like you were somebody who um, like you understood the message that I was trying to portray. I feel a lot of people, a lot of other people took the message not so great. I was in like a clubhouse room one time where basically like a, a everybody had different opinions and they were in and they were in biracial relationships. Um, and um, some moms were like, my kids, like my kids are black. And then some moms were like, my kid is 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 mixed and that's the word and that's it mm-hmm. and or some, like some people was like my kid my child i want my child to identify as a white child like as white and i'm like every you can't it's one of those things that we have to talk about as far as like history goes but as far as like telling people how to raise their children and how they they should identify like that's something you gotta just mind your business on yeah Definitely. I mean, I'm not big on telling my kids which way to go in anything. I I don't push religion. I don't push um, gender stereotypes. I mean, my 10 year old son likes to paint his nails. That's just what he does. It's it's, and that's fine with me because it makes him happy. And that's what he does. And I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? Oh, now they're screaming. (laughs) They waited until you got on the Uh, They sure did. You know how it is. Yeah, I know. And he's only two, but I know how it is. Like when I'm normally doing like my lives and stuff, he's always like, oh, I didn't want you when you weren't doing a live. But let me come interrupt what you're doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's my kids, too. Oh, you're working now. Let me come see what mommy's doing. Always. Oh, always. My like my whole front of my like desk area is like ruined right now. It's crayons and uh, Cheez-Its in the front of me. Oh, my goodness. We just can't have anything for ourselves. No. Nothing. I mean, not right now, but apparently it never changes. Oh, no. My mom can vouch. I mean, me and my brothers are grown adults and we still call my mom, mom. You, it never ends. (laughs) So tell me more about, um, AssensMama.com and where that came from. Um, so I launched my blog in January of this year. Uh, January 2022, sorry, 2022, uh, as a celebration of myself and just my journey that I've uh, been through over the past few years. Um, I like saying Essence Mama instead of Mommy because I feel like Mama comes with so much wisdom and power versus like just saying Mommy. And it's also like, I also was playing with the word baby mama because I'm a single mom. And mm-hmm. I think that like the word baby mama has such a negative connotation or like single motherhood has such a negative connotation. So I was like, you know, I like the word mama a lot. And um, I created the blog as a way to uh, spread awareness on like uh, perinatal health issues, uh, like 
like perinatal depression and mood disorders, different things that can come up, uh, gynecological problems that can come up during um, pregnancy, as well as sharing my story as a kidney warrior and um, uh, our story as from our NICU journey. And, uh, and I also like to just share like, I try to use my blog also as a way to kind of just dump some emotions that might come up. Yeah, for sure. For like things that I might deal with with motherhood. So I've been trying to just call that like my honest motherhood chat or I feel like that's how a lot of creative people are. They, their therapy is their art. Like people that are rappers, they put their emotions into their songs. I put my, I put my shit into my podcast. You write on your blog. Like we all, I feel like we all have our outlet and I, I like your blog. I read through it and I, so I had C-sections with all three of my kids. Um, my very first C-section was obviously with my first child, Jonathan. Um, I was induced with him. I went to, I, th- I had an ultrasound. They told me there was no fluid left. So I immediately went, he was a big baby. So I immediately went to get induced. Um, I, what I was told was that his head was like pushing down on my cervix or something. So it wouldn't open, but that went on for hours and hours. So finally they decided that they were going to induce me. Um, I had my daughter a year and nine months later, I was never told about, having a V-back. I was, I was always pushed the C-section and I wish I would have had more information when I had my second daughter, because I would have tried everything I could to have, um, her naturally rather than have a C-section with her, because I feel like, like I've read your blog and you kind of felt the way that I did when I found out that I was having a C-section It devastated me. It, It messed everything up. I didn't know I never heard about anybody having a C-section. I was fully prepared to give birth to this child. And then it just, that was ripped away from me. You were super young too, right? Yeah. I had my first at 18. My daughter, I had her at 19. Um, So I just, I didn't know my options. And when I had Ethan, because it was so many years later, they told me, no, you've already had two. There's no option to have a V-back at this point. I was about to say, once you have two, they probably definitely. Yeah, no way. Mm -hmm. No way. Um, but I was reading about your experience and I, I know that you had some complications during your pregnancy and I wanted you to kind of talk about that. Cause that's been like a big thing yeah, for you. So, yeah. It's huge. So, um, basically when I found out I was pregnant, I found out I was pregnant, um, right at a time when I went to get, um, I went to have a meeting with my nephrologist. So I've had kidney failure since my kidneys have been declining since 2009 I, I was diagnosed in 2009 with kidney disease wow and um so I've always known dialysis and transplant were in the future I just didn't know when and so it just so happened that the week I found out I was pregnant was also the week I was already supposed to be getting set up for um, surgery to start dialysis and so I had to wait for that and so um I knew I had a high-risk pregnancy because of kidney failure. I knew I would have to be on dialysis during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I knew I would be on like a high blood pressure medicine and would be predisposed to preeclampsia because um, I had secondary, I had secondary hypertension. I had secondary hypertension um, because of the kidney failure. Mm-hmm. So then I got to like, 
I think 11 weeks or 10, 12 weeks for like a scan, like a, oh, maybe not was 13 weeks. And I went to go get like a scan. And then I found out I had a short cervix and I found out I was, then like later on, like when I was 16 weeks, I found out I was dilated. Wow. Oh my goodness. One centimeter. And then I needed to start taking um, a supplement called progesterone in order to keep the cervix in order to try to harden the cervix and keep and close it. Um, and then they wanted to give me baby aspirin as well to help. I always forget what the baby aspirin is for. I want to say they tell you to start taking it every day for blood pressure. I got to look it up. Shoot, I should have said it. I think before. it's to keep your, your blood thin, right? It's like a it blood thinner. To, it is to keep your blood thin, but when you're high risk, they give it to you for something else. Okay. I got to Google it. But um, basically, I found out I, w- I, had a, I had a short cervix. And I'm like, dang, like, I knew I had kidney problems, but a short cervix too. So then um, I, got, I, I left New York and moved back to Baltimore because I also found out that I had four fibroids, which I didn't know that until I became pregnant. Wow. got bigger. So it turned out one of my fibroids was shrinking. I thought I was going into preterm labor at 18 weeks and they tried to take my child from me until they found out I was having a shrinking fibroid. So I was like, okay, take him from you for what? They were trying to take him. They were trying to give me, they were trying to make me like have him give birth because they thought that I was like experiencing complications and pain because of the, of the pregnancy, but oh. I wasn't, it was because I had a shrinking fibroid, oh my but goodness. they already prepped me for surgery and everything. It was the scariest experience. It was That's so scary. Yeah. So when, so how many weeks pregnant were you when you finally did give birth to him? 27. Wow. 27 so, weeks. Yeah. So after I left New York and I moved back to Baltimore, I went to a 20 week scan and I found out that my cervix was getting shorter and it was funneling, meaning like it was like just super soft and like just opening up so I could go into preterm labor possibly. And I had dilated to two centimeters and then they put me in the hospital to get what you call what you call a pessary. So a pessary, you can get a surcharge or a pessary. So mm-hmm. I got a pessary, which is they insert like a little button looking thing um, to clip on the end of your cervix to kind of keep your cervix closed as long as possible. And then, um, I also was on progesterone every day as well, but I started taking it by mouth. Okay. Um, then a week later, I ended up back in the hospital again for spotting and they started finding other things that were wrong that I ended up having to stay in a hospital until I gave birth. I was hoping I would make it till September and like stay in the hospital. I didn't care if I had to stay in the hospital for two months, three months. I wanted him to be safe. Of course. But um, I ended up finding out I had a short cervix and IUGR, which IUGR can be caused from different things in the mom, in the, in the, in the uh, birthing parent that could lead to like basically like it can lead to your child growing small so Aston was supposed was 27 weeks but he was growing like 
he stopped growing like 24 weeks. So that's why he was oh one pound when he was born. So um, I my IUGR was caused by my blood pressure. So my blood pressure was just so strong that it was causing the blood flow. Um, it was messing with up the blood flow and my from me to Aston. And so I actually gave birth prematurely because um, the blood flow in, our, in the umbilical cord reversed which meant that he was going to start getting toxins instead of good stuff. Wow. Um, that is, that's scary. Yeah. And um, I had waited weeks to see if it would rever- like I was, I had waited weeks to see when it was going to reverse. And I didn't want, I chose not to leave the hospital um, because I just thought that I would have a bet. We would have a better chance of catching the reversal in the hospital and I could still save him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told, you know, you could be in the hospital and still have a stillbirth because we're only going to check twice a week. But we don't we recommend that, you know, you don't go home because if you go home, you have to come back twice a week. And I'm all I was already on dialysis six days a week during my pregnancy. Wait, so, I was, so there's this crazy, possibly deadly disease that is can possibly go back and forth between you and your son and they're choosing to only check you twice a week? Yeah, it's well, the thing was, they checked me every day, but they only checked the blood flow twice a week. Oh, that's still so scary, especially when you're dealing with something like that. Yeah, that's like the procedure for that, apparently. Wow. Um, so yeah, they checked that twice, every Tuesday and Thursday. So every Tuesday and Thursday for four weeks in the hospital, like four weeks straight, I would like be like, okay, is today going to be the day for my emergency C-section? Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, being in a hospital that long is a while like during pregnancy is super depressing and hard. Uh, but I I am a strong advocate of doing it because the alternative sounds the alternative is impossible mm-hmm. to imagine. I would much rather try than to not have tried it all you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I ended up being able to take him home later. So we spent 165 days in the NICU after I gave birth, um, at 27 weeks and three days. Um, he's a little warrior. Yeah. And he, (laughs) he was technically in the NICU for 92 days. So for the other 73 days, he was in, um, like a step down hospital, Okay. Teach you how to feed the feed your child. And they just like they just worked really hard with him to get him prepped to be able to be in the real world. Um, but like I was told that we would go to the step down hospital for like two weeks. When we got there, the doctor was like, he was very sick, and I do not feel comfortable turning him right around to go home. And I was like, What? I cried so bad because um we had to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas in the NICU and now I hate Christmas and I hate Thanksgiving because of I, that I mean I love Christmas and Thanksgiving but like I have no desire to be around people except for asking them I cannot explain it because that was a traumatic experience that you went through and the only person that was there with you was your son like you guys went yeah. through that together and then um even now talking about it I'll just get emotional <laughs> I had in my mind I kept saying, okay, because I know, like, I had read about, like, NICU experiences and things like that. So in my mind, I was like, 
okay, he was born three months, almost three months early. So that means that we'll be home by Thanksgiving. Because most of the time, like if your baby comes out at a good size and they don't need a lot of oxygen support, they come home around their due date when you have a NICU baby mm-hmm. born as early as Aston. Some babies come home before that before that due date, but your due date is the ideal time you should be going home. Due date came October 28th and we weren't home. But I was like, all right, you know, if anything, we'll go home by Thanksgiving. Like we'll be home. I had got him a onesie and stuff to be home. When Thanksgiving came and my child was not with me, like I mm. absolutely lost it. Yeah, I that's gotta be so hard. I didn't miss any holidays with my son, but my oldest child, I had to leave him in the hospital um after he was born and I actually was discharged. So I had to go home without my kid. Um and it was only for a week. Like I'm not your situation is crazy. Like I could I couldn't imagine how you were feeling at that time, but I had to leave him there for a week. But you know, like that first feeling that first day that I went home without my kid I was I was looking at an empty crib and it was like horrible he, I wasn't pregnant anymore but my kid wasn't with me it was I just felt like shit I tell moms all the time I tell parents all the time that help say that to me like oh we weren't there as long as you I'm always like hmm, listen I don't know what's more traumatic being there longer or being there shorter and I, and I don't think it's, and I think it's really important not to even compare the trauma. And I actually get like angry with NICU moms or like preemie moms who like make comments like that, mm-hmm. where they say like, oh, you're not really a NICU mom because you were there for a couple of days. Once you enter the NICU, like you're a NICU mom, to, in my opinion. And I say that because, and this is why I started my blog too, you we're 18 years old. You had no freaking idea what the hell the NICU was. Mm-hmm. You definitely didn't expect your child to go to the NICU and you definitely didn't expect a C-section. That is traumatic as fuck. <laughs> that was, that was nothing. No one prepared me for that. My entire pregnancy, no. my doctor never mentioned a C-section. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Like that is so traumatic yeah. and like terrifying. And, it, and obviously like something that can like, trigger postpartum depression or anxiety and you never thought that you would have the like not taking your home your child home with you was never an option in your mind the nine months that you were pregnant oh that's why I always that's why literally is why I started like doing like the different things that I did because I just like it's so important for it's so important to educate mamas and parents and families about the NICU just in case. And I'm not saying like, you know, be like, become obsessed and just like be afraid of it. But it's like knowing that it exists and knowing like, okay, if this happens, X, Y, Z, like, okay, my child might have to go to the NICU. Let me find out what the NICU is just in case. Because I've met so many full-term parents that had children in the NICU and they never expected that. That is so scary. I knew mm-hmm. I was going to have a NICU baby. I went, on a, I went on a tour of the NICU. I spoke to NICU parents before giving birth. Like I knew my son would be in the NICU. So I had that 
privilege of being introduced to it before. So I, I always send my heart and my love out to people who have, who have no idea what it is. That's why I try to like post stuff and educate people as much as possible. Like even with the C-section blog that you had posted, I brought that up before because I've heard people make ignorant comments about, you know, having a C-section is not equivalent to giving birth to a baby. Like I've heard all types of shit like that. And I'm like, trust me, like who else gave birth to these kids? I did it three times. I promise it counts. <laughs> like how would you, how do you feel right there after three times? Um, I pretty much have no feeling. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's numb from kind of like right under my belly button to like right above above like my pubic bone. For real? Yeah, because think about it. They had to cut into me the same spot three times. So every time they cut in, I feel like it got a little bit more, a little bit less sensation. You know what I mean? Me too. I can't feel it. Well, no. So my C-section area was numb for like a year. Mm -hmm. And the, the feeling came back. But then... Right before my son turned two, I well, my son was eighteen months when I got my tra- my kidney transplant, and then okay. my kidney transplant cuts into my C section scar, so my stomach okay. is like kind of numb right now. Okay, below my belly button too. Yeah, ah. no, I mine never came back. I lost the feeling after my first C section, and it's just been like that ever since. One thing that I did want to ask you about one of your blog posts for Mother's Day, um, which I thought was hilarious, was the text from your baby daddy. Now, I just had this conversation with somebody. Do baby daddies get their baby mother a Mother's Day gift? I feel like they should. I feel like they should. Um, I'm raising your kid. Yeah, mine doesn't. Mine didn't. Mine doesn't buy me anything for anything um because he doesn't want to be a dad and so he thinks that he shouldn't celebrate me as a mom because he doesn't want to be a dad well he wants to be a dad when it's convenient for him so yeah mine um, was like that well so I don't know if you know but I have my older two kids oh yeah I know yeah yeah so I I was like oh that is so cool it's cool I think it's cool that you that that you're in your relationship that you're in now and that Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, love, I love, like, your current relationship and how he, y'all were together and you got back together, mm-hmm. I guess. And how he stepped up, like, I just love everything about that. that oh, thank you. Podcast. Um, also, I was telling one of my friends, I was like, people were so nosy. They were so, I said, everybody wanted to hear his point of view, which I love. But at the same time, like, sometimes you don't want to have your man and your, I mean, I don't have a man, but if I had mm-hmm. one, Sometimes you don't want to include them in like what you do because this is like your outlet. But anyway, I say all that to say I love that he is that y'all have a blended family and mm-hmm. that he doesn't treat your youngest child any differently than your other two children. Yeah, no, like even before we got back together, he was like that. Like when I was pregnant, calling and checking on me. Afterwards, calling and checking on me. I, he was out of state sending clothes and Christmas gifts for all three of my children. Like my youngest son was never not included. Um, and I feel like that was kind of part of the reason that, like, I feel like I fell in love with him again, because if you can love my child like that, that's not your child, but I'm just, I'm going to love you. Does he ever see his biological dad or no? So um, he has not seen his dad in an, enti- in an entire year now. It's been a year. Um, he should just stay out, 
Stay yeah. So that's the thing. Like I had to make a really hard decision because it was kind of getting to the point where there was no co-parenting relationship without the drama. And it was taking a mental and physical toll on me to the point where like, I just could not deal anymore. Um, and there was definitely a couple of, yeah. So there was a couple conversations between his dad and I, and, um, he's told me, he's expressed to me on more than one occasion that he does not want to be a father to him. Um, I'm all for that. I'm not going to force anybody. Um, but my son is three now. He just turned three in April. And as he's getting older and starting to talk more, he's asking more about his dad. Um, he obviously remembers him. He calls him by name. Like, he'll be like, when can I go to so-and-so's house? You know, like he'll ask me specifically. Um, and he also has siblings that he remembers that he's like more and more starting to bring up. So fortunately I am working on having a good relationship with one of his siblings, moms, one of them, I already have a relationship with. So our kids see each other. Um, but it's difficult because my son knows who his dad is. He also knows he hasn't seen his dad and he's only three. And it's difficult because when he says things like, I want to go to his house or can we call him? It's almost like, what do, I want to be truthful with my child, but how do you explain to a three-year-old that their child, is, their father's choosing not to be their father? It's heartbreaking. Yeah, so I'm struggling with that as well. My son knows who his dad is, but not enough to call him by name or to say my son is is not my son isn't really verbal he doesn't talk um that much he says okay. Sam stuff like that but he's not really verbal so um he can identify his his dad in a picture he doesn't say dad he just he used to say dad but he stopped um but he stopped because of me because I stopped saying it because I'm like he's not he's never here like he's yeah. never around you like last night was the first time I talked to him in a week because I blocked him Mm -hmm. and asked him was sick and so I called him and then as soon as he got on the phone he was like here you go you're so dramatic you always want to take him to the hospital and just waste your time and I hung up on him I'm like and this is why we can't we cannot co-parenting with him trying to co-parent with him trying to co-parent with somebody who doesn't want to co-parent and doesn't want to be a parent will send you into a mental like Viral. And trying to co-parent with somebody who doesn't parent but thinks that they know what's best for the child they don't parent, that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm lost at because that's, that's what that's what gets me every time. Okay. Every time. Every time. That's the part that I that's the part that's insane to me. Like he always had a little advice. What do you you never you seen him 15 times in the past three years? He never wanted to be a dad, which I knew. And I told him when I decided to continue with my pregnancy, you don't have to be here. I can mm-hmm. take care of him myself. He chooses to come in and out. Like I said, whenever it's convenient. His parents don't even know that Aston exists. <gasps> what? Are you serious? Oh, I'm so serious. It's- and when, whenever anyone in his life asks him about Aston, he denies it. So oh we used to work together. And so we used to teach at the same, for the same charter school system mm-hmm. in the same building. One, we, we were at two different schools, but in the same building. And um, whenever like former coworkers or students ask him about Aston and me, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a kid. Isn't that so heartbreaking? No. No? 
Mm-mm. Oh my God. My, uh-huh. my son's dad used to do the same. And even still, like he has four kids now with four different women. And like the, like even his mom sees the other kids, but not mine. Like, I don't like that. No, that would hurt. That would hurt the crap out of me. Well, so let me, uh, I'm going to be real with you. I'm white. All his other baby mamas are black. So that's what I think is the situation. My child is the only child that's white. They've made it very clear to me that they don't like me because I'm white. So just keeping it real. That's fucked up. Yeah. So I just, I feel like there's a little bit of backlash on my kid. I hate that. Yeah. I just hate that. And I hate that, like, why did you let him come over in the first place? Like, why didn't you just stay out of his life? He has a father. Yeah. He don't yeah. need y'all. And of course, now he wants to know, can he go over there? And I wonder how much longer he's going to be asking. Like, that that hurts to hear that. And so mm-hmm. I've said that to my son's dad. I don't want my son to be crying. I, I don't want my son to do a crying for him. I don't want him to come. And then when he leaves, my son is like, no, don't go. No. And somebody was like, well, you can't save your child from heartbreak. They're going to be heartbroken. Like, Guess what? They not. He's not going to be heartbroken right now. No, he's not. not and having no daddy issues, stay out, I, stay gone. Stay, bye. You don't want to be here? Yeah. Bye. So That's how I felt. So we saw him twice last year. I just realized that. Mm-hmm. We saw him in April and September of last year. Because when I did see him in April, he like sent me into like just depression. It was the weirdest, craziest thing. Yeah. So I had a lot of, I had anxiety and depression when I was pregnant with EJ. And then afterwards, because of the constant stress and pressure and just everything that I was going through, I went through my whole pregnancy without his dad, pretty much like we were going through it, relationship issues and and whatever. Um, but I, I got to the point where I was kind of like, I kind of want to nip this in the bud before my son is old enough to remember all this inconsistency. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I'm just going to cut you off now. You've, he's already shown me for my son's three. He showed, he showed me for two years straight that he was inconsistent and unreliable. I feel like two years is enough time for me to make that decision. So now you're just out. You know what I mean? It's it was easier for me to have this conversation with you because I feel the same way. And I just needed like, I just needed a push to like confirm it. It's you hard as hell and it hurts. And you ha- really have to like, I, even now I just told you, like, I don't even know what to say to my son when he asked me where his dad is and if he can go over there, but you know, eventually he'll stop asking me those questions. And later on, I can tell him the truth about what happened and why his dad wasn't here when he can grasp it. But yeah. I feel like it would do more damage on my kid to see his dad be longing for his dad for months or weeks or however long he goes and then see his dad again and then go through the same cycle of longing for his dad. I, I was over that. You know what I mean? Y'all live in the same city? Yeah, girl. He lives like 40 minutes away from me. Oh. Yeah, like he is not far. He is not far. That's fucked up. Yeah. My son's dad lives three hours away. See, I, three hours, okay. Like, I'll give him a little bit of leeway there, but at the yeah, same so I time- said him, like, you can do every other month. And so this year, I guess he called himself trying to do every other month. Mm-hmm. So technically, like, he not, he doesn't come again until June. But he just, I, I, have, does, to, I, have, I have to choose myself over this situation. Like, I have yeah. to choose my, like, I can't, be a good mom 
unless I'm mentally like stable and I his dad just everything is an argument everything everything is an argument and the fact that like he still doesn't claim as them just it just shows me that he doesn't really want to be in his life it's just like cut your losses because like you're you know moms we our whole identities are around our children like we we find what works for us around our children because at the end of the day our children is our whole life so Mm -hmm. if I mean I'm not I'm not trying to give you advice you do what's best for you but if 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 you're not even claiming my kid then don't claim my kid and and keep it all the way at that y'all was in a whole relationship that's so different see me me and Ashton's dad were not in a relationship we were in a situation so we were also in I was in the relationship Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It was like that situation. So, and I got pregnant quick. Like we, I, we were only together for like five months when I found out I was pregnant. So it was also so like a situation. When I, tell you how, when I tell you how long I was dealing with this guy and I got pregnant, you can be like, damn girl. A month. Two months. Two months. Yep. My mom too. When she got pregnant with me in two months of meeting my dad and my dad, had, I've never met him till this day. Well, mm-hmm. But that that also played a role. Been like your mom, should have been like your mom. Well, so the, see, the, um, that also played a role in me deciding whether or not I wanted to cut EJ's dad off because I was kind of stuck between, okay, I have issues because I knew that my real dad abandoned me, but I also had a really shitty relationship with my stepdad because he was present. So, like, what's what's the what am I going to do here? Am I going to give my kid? the abandonment issues or am I going to give my kid whatever other issues he develops from having a narcissist father like I I kind of had to like you know what I'm saying like I I you're you're literally like in my brain and because mm-hmm. moms go through this shit mm-hmm. and, and I have sucks. I have abandonment issues with my dad my parents were married when they had me um and when they got a divorce it was times when I didn't talk to my dad for like a year or months would go by and um so mine it's not an abandonment issue it's more of a predictability issue so Mm -hmm. if I don't know like if I I need like concrete evidence that you're going to do something for me yeah I'm the same way when you don't come through you're dead to me yeah and part of that is like why I treat my son's dad how I do because like I'm solid. Like I don't, I don't have time to be disappointed. And I've told him that. And his response was, "I'm not your dad. Don't bring your daddy issues to me." And I want, like, I want to tell him so bad. I'm not your dad. Like you got daddy issues too. Like his parents are together and married, but he got all kinds of issues. Yeah. Like his family, his big he comes from a great family, but I feel like he has. You definitely got some some type of issue if you're okay with walking around having a three year old that you never told your parents. Oh about. yeah, no, I I don't I don't give a shit if you have trauma from you know childhood. If your first girlfriend broke your heart, I don't care what it is. If there's something mentally wrong with you, if you have a child and you're out here living your life like they don't exist, that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. That's it. This turned into a therapy session fast, girl. I know it did. <laughs> I don't know what you want to edit, what you want to take out. <laughs> Is there anything you don't want me to keep in? No, because it's not like his dad ever going to, he's not going to listen to the podcast. I keep it real and raw. I'm not ashamed of shit. I got baby daddy's name shit. And I didn't say his name, but everybody know who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know me, you know who he is. Yeah, same with me. If you know me, you know who he is. And that's mm-hmm. enough. Yep. 
He did not ask him all he wants to. But see, like, that's the thing I don't understand. Your son, like, not that it's about, like, how the kid looks, but your son, cute as fuck. My kid, cute as fuck. My, how are you not claiming that? My kid is his twin. That's the crazy thing. Oh, is he? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I'm about to show you. Hold see, on. my baby, I feel like he has my whole face. He has, like, some of his dad's features, but he looks like me. So my son looks like, he looks like his dad and my dad. I always delete pictures of Ashton and his dad. His, his, I just, <laughs> he just makes my skin color. Uh-huh. I have a couple that I saved on my phone just to give my kid when he's older, but like. I, I gave up on it too. I'm you know what I came to the realization of last night too? My son will never have a photo of his parents together with him. So I was trying to get a picture with me and Aston and his dad. Because even if his dad is not in his life or because it seems like his dad is choosing not to be in his life, then I feel like it's important just for him to have a photo you know the reference like, when he gets older like yeah that's how i, I, don't I want to like i'm never going to tell him like your dad didn't want to be in your life because i don't want him to blame himself i want him to understand that like adults make decisions and i made a decision to have Aston, and his dad made the decision that he didn't want to be a dad and that he wasn't ready and that it wasn't the life that he chose yeah that's the thing that i feel like i'm always going to need to stress to ej that it had absolutely nothing to do with him and everything to do with the choice that his dad made like it's not personal because that's something that I struggled with for a long time was taking it personal what my dad did when his parents if his parents ever do find out I'm gonna be honest with you you never thought to message them like yo you have a whole grandchild out here I can't oh yeah I thought about that it's I can't get in touch with them though and it um me trying to contact his family caused like him it caused like so many issues between me and him because he said I was disrespecting his um I was disrespecting him and um why do I care if Aston knows them bitch what why does my son need to know his family so I just want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast today do you want to tell everybody your website and where they can find you on social media Yes. So thank you for having me, by the way. Of course. And um, my, I'm on all social media platforms at Aston's Mama. You can follow me on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, which I'm still like new to posting to Facebook. Um, and my website is www.astinsmama, A-S-T-I-N-S, mama.com. Everybody definitely check that out. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. My name is Jalen and you just listened to my mom's bomb mom's podcast. Bye.